Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, all right. Well, we'll just pray and get going here. Yes. See where we go. I know. We're doing good tonight. Woo. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for today. Lord, thank you for all the blessings that you have poured out on us. Lord, we, we just thank you so much that you are revealing to us what it is to live out of the kingdom of God. And that when the b- bad times come, Lord, we, we're the ones that are trusting in you. We don't even see when the heat comes. We don't see when the bad comes because we see and grasp the kingdom of God. So, Father, we just um, ask tonight that you open our understanding, that you pull the scales off our eyes and the fat out of our ears, and that you cause us to understand what the Holy Spirit has for us tonight about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Lord, we lift up Lee, and we, we just ask that you give her safe travels home again, that um, you bless Bill and Jill and their travels down to take care of the grandkids and um, ask for strength and vitality there. And Lord, we're so thankful to have Ron back. Praise God. And I just speak life into Ron from the tip of his toes to the top of his head and vitality and strength. He is a cedar planted in your garden, Father, vital and full of sap and bringing forth much fruit in the kingdom. And Lord, we just give you the praise and the thanks for it all. Um, we've asked this in Jesus' name and because you're so faithful. We believe we've already received the answers, and we thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Okay, Sunday night, the kingdom. And well, last week we kind of went through the definitions about uh, what a kingdom is. Two things: it is number one, the domain, the territory, the estate, but it is also a lordship issue. The second definition has to do with authority, actually. That's reversed. The first definition is authority and power and rulership. And the second definition has to do with terrain or domain. So in one sense, if you say kingdom of God, everything is in the kingdom of God. Because it all belongs to him. He made it. He owns it. That's the way it is. But then on the other hand, um, there is... um, an exclusivity to the kingdom of God in that the kingdom of God, when Jesus is speaking about it um, and when the disciples are speaking about it, has to do with lordship. It has to do with rulership. Jesus said, you know, when people say the kingdom of God is over here or over there, don't go. The kingdom of God is within. And um, so it is an exclusive kingdom in that it's by choice that you choose the lordship of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in that sense, the kingdom of God is exclusive. So the inclusive picture is the kingdom of heaven, which includes everything. I mean, I know when we die, we say we're going to heaven, and we are. We are. Um, But not just heaven, heaven, 
You know, there's a very specific place right in the face of God, right in the presence of God. Um, which is where our spirit person is anyway. We're in heavenly places, plural, not singular. And um, in Christ Jesus, we're already there. So when our body falls off, we're just intimately right there in the very presence of God. I would call it what Paul called it, the third heaven, the place of perfection. But in Ephesians, it says in two different places that we are seated in heavenly places, plural. Um, in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, it talks about being seated in heavenly places together in Christ Jesus. So there's a plurality there, which tells you that when you're talking about heaven, you're talking about a whole lot of dimensions, not just one dimension. Um, and I hate to say, you know, like a geographical area, because it really isn't a geographical area. Um, you know, like I said, we used to think about heaven as being way up here where God is. And then outside of God, he created this universe that kind of hangs out. And, and um, when we go to heaven, we go up. I'm beginning to think when we go to heaven, we cross dimensions yeah, we more than we go up. Into a plane of existence. Right. We go to a different, an entirely different plane of existence, into the spirit realm. And everybody does. But some go to the very presence of God and some don't. <laughs> Depending on what address you want there. Um, but in... When he talks about the, the kingdom of heaven, it is all-inclusive. So when we're talking heaven, um, like when you read these parables, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, you're going to see that Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is everything. It's, it's all of it, good and bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, is the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom of God that he speaks to in exclusivity is um, that lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay. Where does hell fit in? Well, I think hell is just another dimension, you know, where eventually material body and spirit is going to come together. But it is and there are dimensions of hell. Yes. It is a part of the kingdom of exclusive, I mean the inclusive kingdom of everything God owns. He created that too. He didn't mean for us to be in it. He meant for it to be for the fallen angels. But um, she's turned out to have a lot of company. But um, again, there are different dimensions even to hell. You know, there's the upper region, which was Abraham's bosom. You know, and then there is um, the place where now those who are condemned to, to hell forever are being held, you know, and and then eventually there's the lake of fire. So, you know, there are even dimensions in, in hell. And um, so when you start to put this all together and you realize everything belongs to God. So kingdom-wise, it's all there. Um, so when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, yeah, even hell is included there. Because it's, it, it, Jesus talks about that. 
you know, casting people into the place where there is gnashing of teeth and, you know, wailing. That's definitely not the heaven we think of. And yet it is referred to when he talks about the kingdom of heaven. And um, as a place that, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he begins to describe you know, what it's like. And it's all-inclusive. So we're going to go through um, these parables and we're going to kind of look at it and look at the roles. We've been through these just dozens of times, you know, to the point where I'm going, Lord, my eyeballs just want to roll back in my head. But um, we need to look at it now, just walk around in the the, parables. Parable. parable, thank you. I can say anything past proverb. We need to just walk around in that parable and look at the characters and look at what's going on because that's what's happening right now in the kingdom of heaven. And we're a part of that kingdom. And a lot of what we what goes on, we're com- completely oblivious to. And um, so we need to get over the oblivion thing and get on to you know, what we know to be true. Okay, so we got to change really our point of view. We have to repent. We have to see the full kingdom, you know, as it really is, with spirit superimposed on the material. And um, as a born again child of God, seated in heavenly places, we have to figure out what that means to live out of the kingdom of God toward the kingdom of heaven which gives us a lot more dimension than just living um, out of the spirit toward the material, which is where I've been all this time. But we have to live out of the the kingship of God toward the entire kingdom of heaven, which is spirit and material and good and bad. Let me just show you a couple of really interesting passages where... um, Jesus kind of talks about um, what's in the kingdom and uh, in the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes it's just shortened to the kingdom. Um, But when he's talking about lordship, you know it's the kingdom of God. You'll get it. Um, Look at Matthew 6. Now some of these parables are repeated in Mark and Luke and John and they will refer to the kingdom of he- uh, the kingdom of God but um, you have to understand that when they're talking about the kingdom of God and they start referring to people who are going to be cast out into the into the fires of hell and evil sowers they're not talking about the lordship of God because in the lordship of God You know, where he is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where he exists, you don't, there is no evil where God exists, okay? So when they begin to refer to the kingdom of God, they're talking territory and domain uh, where Jesus in these parables literally refers to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Um, When I first started reading this stuff, the... um, the, the, a lot of the Christian authors would say, well, uh, Matthew was writing to the Jews, so he only used the kingdom of heaven because they weren't allowed to say God's name. You know, that, that's kind of bunk because 
they, you know, they could have said Hashem, the name. They could have said Lord, which they got away with through the whole Bible. Okay. So anyway, um, and then everybody else uses the kingdom of God, which, yes, in a way they do, but you have to understand in what terms they're using those phrases. But when Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God in these scriptures, he's talking about the lordship, the authority, and the power of God. When he prays the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, he's talking about the lordship of God come into this earth and your will be done here just like it is where, you know, where your perfection exists. So, look at Matthew 6, start with verse 19. And there are actually two locations here listed, which I thought was kind of interesting, but it's not parabolic. It's talking about spirit and material, but still just kind of tease this up. Verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, and that literally is ground upon the material ground, where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up treasures for yourself in heaven, where neither moth or rust does corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then look at, um, let me see. Um, then he goes on to talk about, you know, the whole world worries about their money and about their finances and what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. And while he's talking about storing up your money here and where to put it, sow it into the kingdom of heaven, there's a reason for that. But when you get right down to the nitty gritty and you're worried about the issues and you're worried about your finances, Jesus is very specific here. He's talked about the kingdom of earth. He's talked about the kingdom of heaven. But when he gets right down to it, look at what his final conclusion is. Look at verse 33. Um, or verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying what do we eat, or what do we drink, or where will we be clothed? After all, these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God. Now, that to me cancels out every other um, idea that Jesus would not refer to God himself, um, to the Jewish people. He says, Don't, you, you can put your money in the kingdom of heaven, in the spirit realm, store it up. Sow the seed into the spirit so you can reap it in the material. But very specifically, he says, then when you need things, when you get desperate, don't fret, seek the kingdom of God. Very specifically, he delineates the difference in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. If it was the same, he would have used the kingdom of heaven. Seek the kingdom of heaven. But he didn't. He very specifically said, seek the kingdom of God. Why? Because that implies lordship and authority and power. And when you seek his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, then everything that is in the kingdom of heaven is loose to you. Whatever, you know, is um, you loose in, in the earth is already loosed in heaven. But you have to do it under the lordship of the living God. Okay? Um, a puzzling one. I just puzzle over this one. But um, look at 
Um, Matthew 8. Back to the beginning there. What's considered treasures? Um, whatever you depend on for your survival, that's your treasure. So when he's talking about treasures, he's saying don't, don't store up like your money and your, you know, don't build your silos and, you know, store up things there, but rather sow into the kingdom of, of heaven. In other words, sow into the spirit realm. Um, so into um, into God's kingdom work and there'll be plenty for you you know but in order to access it you have to seek the kingdom of God and his way of doing and being right and then everything that you have put away in the kingdom of heaven is accessible to you there are a lot of people who sit in church every Sunday and who put money in the offering plate and they're you know, poor is a widow that put the church's might in because they are not sowing to the kingdom. They're just throwing dollars in the plate. And they don't have a lordship. They haven't sought the kingship of God. So their lives are riddled with problems, riddled with worry, riddled with fear, riddled with anxiety about everything um, because they didn't seek the lordship of God. They, they are still... You know, relying their their vision is still on the material realm. They have no idea what it is to walk around in the entire kingdom of heaven. What it is to be a part of that. And um, um, you know that there are angels that protect us and deliver us, and that there are um, supplies stored up for us there. Um, that you know that's where it is. But in order to access them. In order to access what's there, you have to seek the kingdom of God, the authority and the rulership of God in order to learn how to operate in the kingdom of God and access what's there for you. It's all there, but you're not going to get to it your way. There's a big difference between throwing money in the plate yes. and thinking of it in terms of a financial transaction, right. a financial obligation, it right. being the proper and right thing to do, right. as opposed to offering it to God in thanksgiving and praise and worship. Right. Right. And and expecting that you're planting seed, yes, not just... And right. Because it's seed is alive. Yes. Exactly right. Seed is alive. But that revelation comes out of the kingdom of God. And That's his way of doing and being right. It is. It is. It's a and whole different mindset. It is. And, and that really changes drastically. It does. It changes everything. It changes everything. And um, so we have to understand then what it is to really walk around in this whole kingdom of heaven. Because we, I mean, the kingdom is there, all of it. And um, we have been made, as in Psalm 8, a little lower than Elohim. Not lower than the angels, but a little lower than Elohim. The angels are, are here to, to serve us, to wait on us. However, you have to seek the kingdom of God and his way of doing and being right for the angels to wait on you. Because they're waiting for you to declare the word. You, you can't command the angels just to do what you want them to do. But if you want the angels moving on your behalf, you're going to speak the word of God. Because their job is to fulfill the word of God in the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's already fulfilled in God. He's already said yes to every promise. But in order to get it fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven where you and I live, and all the way into the material realm, which is part of the kingdom of heaven, 
Um, you have to do it God's way. You've got to do it God's way. So, um, we're going to start with the very first parable. This is the parable that Jesus says all other parables hinge on this parable. If you don't get this one, then you're not going to get any of the other parables. Because every other parable about the kingdom of God hinges on this right here. So, we're going back over old familiar ground. But we're going to read the whole thing. Because I think for the past few years we've just read a little bit of it here and a little bit of it there. So we're going to read the whole sucker right here. Um, I was going to read to you in Matthew 8 this funky little verse here. Um, let me just read this to you. It's Matthew 10, 8, 10 real quick. When, um, this is when um, the centurion came, you know, and he said, I've got a, a, mm -hmm. a sick servant, but you don't have to come with me. I understand authority. There it is, the authority of the kingdom. I understand that you have authority in the kingdom. So if you just speak, it'll happen. And so Jesus is going, whoa, I haven't heard, you know, that great a... None of my people. Know. Right. Mm -hmm. And this was so impactful to me. Because he says, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, in, not in all Israel. And I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, many in the kingdom of heaven will come and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And um, that's what that should say. Many in the kingdom of heaven will come. Well, who? This is the Gentiles are going to come because they want to know about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But then he looks at the Pharisees who are the very seed of Abraham, and this is what he says. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's kind of a curious little picture of the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? So, says subjects of the kingdom. Subjects of the kingdom, there you go. Um, citizens of the kingdom, whatever you want to call them. But they're not... Under the Lordship, they're not in the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven. The Gentiles came out of the kingdom of heaven and have chosen the Lordship of God in the kingdom of God. But um, as a rule, when you say kingdom of heaven, you're talking about everything that God created, spirit and material and everything that goes on in it, which is not the way that I grew up thinking about the kingdom of heaven. Um, but but right under our noses here it is painted for us alright Matthew 13 start with verse 1 and the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and a great multitude was gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and he spoke many things to them in parables. Is he ready to go? Okay. Well, I am so thankful that you came. You going to be okay? Good. I am just very thankful that you came tonight. So, yep. We will certainly be praying for you. We're doing better. I know, every little bit. And we're just believing for totally good now. We're happy that you made the effort to come. Oh, to my, yes. And to church, too. Yeah. 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 That walker, I'll be yes, you will. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. He's doing physical therapy, so they're trying to work with him to get good. strength back. That's good. Physical therapy is magic. It is magic. You just had a little tough go there. We love you. Thank you. Love you too, little girl. I'm going home and look on. I'm going to take a squash. Yeah, you want a squash? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ours, we did our garden late, so. Nothing's come in. Mm, yeah, I understand yeah. that. So, yes, I'm in. <laughs> See ya. God love him. Now, is this the parable you're saying all other parables are based upon? Yes. The parable of the soils. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because I've been, I've been reading this coincidentally. Oh. The same stuff at yeah. the same time you're starting. This is good. It's the so same Holy Spirit. It's going to really help the synchronicity. There you go. Synchronicity. Good <laughs> word. Woo. That's an A for vocab. That was a good one. Okay, here we go. Verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon the stony places um, where there was not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, and they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell in good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. <clears throat> Who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we talked about this. Every person on that bank had a set of ears. So he's not talking about those ears. He is talking about your internal understanding, the center of your understanding. So you might say the ears of your imagination. Okay? Whoever has ears to hear, and hear means to take in and understand. So whoever has ears to take in and understand this, okay, then let him take it in and understand. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, this parable is full of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not. For whoever has, and what he's talking about there is ears to hear. Whoever has ears to hear, who can take in the information with understanding, Whoever can take that information in with understanding, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whoever has not ears to hear, has not good soil to take the seed into and understand, from him shall be taken even that which he has. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because they, seeing, see not. That's because they're seeing with their physical eyes and not their mind's eyes. And hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which said, By hearing, you shall hear. Take in with understanding. Or take in, but you will not understand. And seeing, you will see but you will not proceed. In other words, you will not have uh, an active experiential understanding of what you saw. For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest, and that word lest means 
It doesn't mean it's always been interpreted. I speak to them in parables um, so that they won't get it, lest they should understand it. But the word less there is the word mepote, which means so that if perhaps, you know, I speak to them in parables so that perhaps someone, you know, at any time will see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their hearts and should be converted and I would heal them. The reason he spoke to them in parables is because we have, we're an image-minded people. We see things in images and we filter all our understanding through the images that we have in our mind that we believe to be true. And um, so he says, I tell them parables so that if perhaps they do hear, they might take it in an understanding. And if they do see it because of the picture I paint, they'll do it and I can heal them. Right, so he yeah. does really want them to be hit. The, really the way it's written, it says like it's our little secret. We don't want them yeah. to know, and that that just doesn't make any kind of. No, then he'd be wasting his time to speak. Yeah. you know, but he also knows the hearts of the Pharisees and says he knows they're hard. But Sandy, can I just share the way they sure. uh, new living? Sure. Yeah, what does the new living um, say? Well, so, verse nine and then verse. 15. So there, I oh, wait a minute. Where? Let me, let me do the whole thing, 15 there. Okay. Because I don't know where to start. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. There you go. So he says, I speak to them in parables. Yeah. So that by chance, that is by chance or perhaps they might get it. Not because they do this. Because That's they right. don't have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. Well, and, well, yeah, and they don't have plowed up ground. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what we were talking about last week. The reason people are blessed in the kingdom is because they have that plowed up soil. They have that heart, the poor heart where like a beggar you grab at whatever you get because you're so hungry for it. The humble in spirit who realize there is nothing in themselves. They are desperately in need of God to depend on. Those that are hungry and thirsting for righteousness as if they're starving to death. Those are the people with the soil that are going to take that seed in. And they're going to be blessed, tremendously blessed. Um, I used to think about that, um, you know, the, the blesseds as being thou shalt or thou shalt not. But um, it's not that at all. He was describing what the heart of good soil looks like and how you get blessed in the kingdom of heaven. How do you get blessed? You have to have a heart like that. You have to have this kind of soil in your heart in order to have ears to hear and eyes to see so that you can be blessed. Empowered to prosper is what that word means. Makarias. That hard soil can be strongholds like intellectualism, self-pride, self-independence. That's it. Yeah, can even be laziness and indifference. Because you think it's something that's out there and crazy. That's right. And that it's a fairy tale. Yep. I mean, people have all kinds of reasons for closing their ears and closing their eyes and hearts. They absolutely do. And it can be, you know, laziness and indifference on the other end. Oh, who needs that? I got other things to do. I don't want to go there, there. If you You go back to Matthew 8 when you were reading about the centurion. Mm hmm. <clears throat> Joseph Prince noted that in that situation the centurion going back to chapter 13 here the centurion was hearing and the centurion was seeing mm-hmm. and understanding 
because he was not under the law. There you go. And the, the Jews that Jesus is speaking to here in 13 were under the law. And a lot of that that I think he may be addressing were the uh, Sadducees and the and Pharisees, Pharisees absolutely. who were ruling and reigning under the law. Mm -hmm. And therein came about that changed the way you think. That's why they think. couldn't hear, I see. Yeah, changed the way you think. And yeah. in his image and his truth, authority doesn't mean being in close proximity to. Authority means you speak and whoever's under your authority has to bow its knee. And the centurion understood that people in this day didn't have that picture, you know, of what that was, that authority. They wanted to bring their people right to Jesus to touch them. They needed that material connection, you know, that material release of power where the, author the, um, the centurion had that mental image of what authority is. Spiritual. Yeah. And since you went back to that, here's another verse that ties all this discussion together. Mm -hmm. If you go to Luke 7, verses 4 and 5, it says, When they came to Jesus, it's the same story, yeah. but this has an additional part to it. When they came to <coughs> Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. This Centurion already loved the Jewish people and sowed into the kingdom financially mm -hmm. with his money, his resources, and his caring attitude towards mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So he already had a plowed up soft heart. He did. And the blessings then, I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse mm -hmm. you. Blessings him. of Abraham yes. um, were, were to come on him. So... Uh, Luke... Uh, Seven mm -hmm. verses four and five. Thank you. But that really, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of people miss that component yeah. there. They did, and that really shows how his love and care and attitude, his generosity, exactly right, blessing Israel and its people, showed why Jesus understood that he had mm -hmm. faith that put feet to the ground. Yes, and that's and and that only comes when you. When you can lay hold of a truth. If you can't lay hold of the truth, you can never get your feet on the ground with it. You know, it's always just an ethereal thing out here, which is, to me, the frustration about what I'm learning about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. It's always been kind of this ethereal, this mishmash stuff, but until you can get your mind around it, you know, and, and recognize it, you can't really put feet to ground, like you said. And that's what we have to do is put feet to ground. We have to figure out how we're living, you know, and where that authority extends and how it extends. And we have, you know, we touch on the edges of it, but I, I, I don't think we've even begun to, you know, eye has not seen or ear heard, you know, neither has it entered into the imaginations of man the things that God has prepared for them. Ha! Ah, you need help. Bill, can you go help? Did he fall? I hope not. I do too. Bill and Bill. There we go. I wanted when she left. I saw that little bitty girl and whoa. She handles him pretty well. Yeah. He can help himself. Yeah. He's just weak. He's been sick. He, I don't know what the infection was that he had, but he got some kind of an infection. And 
just knocked them out. So. In this case, in what we're talking about with the centurion here, mm -hmm. um, something that you had said about how they had not received the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. in this case, because Jesus had not let the Holy Spirit loose in mm -hmm. the world yet, mm -hmm. he recognized who Jesus was. Right. So in a sense, he allowed the Holy Spirit to enter himself. Right. Because I thought that was very important. The Holy the Spirit, yeah, the Holy Spirit moves freely. Before freely. I got yeah. again, yeah. when I read the Bible, I never got right. anything out of it. Right. Because you know? Jesus, he who believes in me will have the right. Holy Spirit. That's well, it. he believed in him. Before the crucifixion and the resurrection, he believed in him. How long do I have to listen? I forgot. We can have a dance. Oh, that's Elise Murphy. Uh-oh. Hello? Hey. He's out. He and Bill and Bill are both out there. We, we've got it. Yeah, no problem. We've got it, Elise. Okay, yeah, uh, don't worry, we got it. You think? Okay, love ya. Bye-bye. Mm, what did she hear? What? He, what she what? might have called him. She oh, um, I don't know if they have the same thing that, um, that my folks have, but on their phone, you just push a button and it just uh, emails everybody in the family oh. to say, you know, Ron's down. What is that? Oh, do you want to hear something from like no. Pandora? <laughs> I was pushing the wrong buttons there. I am not good with that device. Bong didn't fall. Oh, he just had you. trouble getting in the car. Okay, oh, okay. good. We're going to walk up and help uh, get oh, him okay. into the house. Okay, that's good. We'll just talk real slow. Lord, we just ask that you put the angels around them. Ron is blessed and is going out. And blessed and is coming in. Father, we just thank you so much that you let him come tonight. And uh, we just ask that your blessings follow him. Put those angels around him. Press them in close, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. I know, you get that feeling. I know all the techniques, but sometimes with the weight... It's the way. And, and gravity. And, yeah. And One the angle that you're working it. with. And right. Yeah. I'm just, getting into a car. It's not an easy thing. Well, she's smart to have come to get him, you know, right away before he got stuck. And um, so, bless her heart. She had to run all the way around. I get, oh, no. The door's unlocked now. What, did she have to run all the way? No, she didn't. Thank goodness for that. Um, Okay, yeah. You, you were <laughs> Where are we? Two kingdoms, and, and just uh, so I can clarify something. Yeah. Um, because I got a little bit confused. The kingdom of heaven is everything God created. Wh which one is the other kingdom? The kingdom of God. Uh, that's kingdom what of God, God is. Right. Which is the, the lordship. Of everything, everything, lordship. The kingdom of God is the lordship. Yes. 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 Right, that's it. So the kingdom of heaven, and, you know, he is lord over everything. I mean, the, he made it all. He set the parameters. That was the whole reason for talking about Mendelbrot. He made it all. He owns it all. He set the parameters. It's still all in him, you know, and he's holding it all together. But um, because of the fractals, because of the, the, the choice that he gave the angels, the choice that he gives human beings, 
um, the earth is is unfolding and the and the history of men is unfolding in such a myriad of ways. Um, you know, we need to understand that these kingdoms are superimposed on each other, and that we are seated in heavenly places, not just in you know, not just at the right hand of the Father, but in heavenly places together with Him. And um, that plurality um, kind of blew my mind when I when I saw it. It is. Um, let me see if I can go back and find that and just read it to you. Um, it is the heavenly regions, the celestial heavens, which includes the abode of God and the residence of the angels, and um, so so it isn't just in the presence of God at His right hand. But a myriad of places in the spirit realm um, where all of God's angels reside, where all of the spirit things reside in heavenly places. So you and I, I mean, and we do see ourselves this way sort of as a spirit being walking around in a material body. I think we all see that. But I think um, if you're looking for the place where heavenly places is, uh-uh. okay. I was looking for something else because I wanted to on the same topic. Oh, okay, I, I wanted, yeah. But I always, I don't even know what, which gospel it's in. But when Jesus refers to my Father's kingdom has many mansions. Yes, and and he is literally talking about the presence in the presence of God, where uh, you know I think there is God again created within himself um, a place for his humanity, a place for his people and his angels. And it does have a throne and it does have, you know, streets of gold and it does have all those things in it. But God is even outside of that. He's bigger than that. So you're just moving into the very presence, the very face of God, you know, where... um, Well, let's just say... Everything what is about heaven and, and the blessed and glory and, and all of that? What might be heaven to you that you would really, really enjoy? Mm-hmm. I might hate. Right. And so what, that's what I get. The, I, right. I'm, that's where I said my father's kingdom has many mansions. I mean, everybody's right. going to find a place where they're going to be. Right. That's right. God has prepared a place for you right. in himself. Uh, where you're going to be extremely happy. Excuse you know. me, there was an episode in Twilight Zone I believe you. Heaven, and she was hearing old time music and everything was kind of decorated Victorian and she just thought it was heaven. And then this young guy that liked modern music and everything jazzy modern came to the same room with the woman and he was in hell. So, <laughs> It was a very pointed episode mm-hmm. in Twilight Zone. Yes. The difference between kingdom, you know, heaven, heaven, yeah. and what people's perception was. Yeah, it it is amazing yeah. that you know. But what we have is just a smattering from Scripture about that mm-hmm. place where God has. You talk about jeweled for us. walls and pearly gates and golden. <coughs> exactly right. I it's would very specific. That. Yeah. I, I'm, I want to be out there with the flowers and the birds. Right. And he has that. That's I know. I want to just just yeah, exactly. Just Whatever he has built. She's putting her order in. Now. <laughs> there you go. I like Whatever he has built is perfect. <laughs> For sure. This was, uh, and you'll read this, 
this was this was a type or a prototype of the original. Yeah. And um, the but garden. this is in a material realm where that is in the <laughs> spirit realm. Right. So there is hope for the woods and the birds. <laughs> I'm saying I believe you there too because I love the woods and the trees and the words. Uh, we were talking in uh, Sunday school today. The word crap was never used in my house. It just right. Wasn't. No one used it in their language. Mm -hmm. uh, had nothing to do with like or dislike or whatever. Yeah, it just wasn't proper. So when Jeff said cut the crap, yeah, I. <laughs> jumped up. Yeah, I bet you did. Yeah. I, on the other hand, love that because yeah, yeah. Like you said, I explained the words. So That's it. Of youth. Yeah. Would just would understand. Yeah, because exactly. I was saying that I think that was the first time the two grandkids had ever actually listened to one of his sermons. No, and they're going, whoa. That's it. For once. That's it. Usually because they're doodling and that's it. That's it. You know, and I think it's good that I, t I told Bill, I said, because I'm like you, you know, you go, ooh, ooh. But um, at the same time, I'm going, that is a vivid picture yes. of what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is not all roses. And it's not the bed of roses. The kingdom of heaven is everything. And um, if it weren't, if there weren't crap in the world, we wouldn't need the sword. You know, you wouldn't need any of that. But God fashioned it, designed it, and gave it to us because we are in need of it. But but because we don't understand that, you know, we think, well, we're saved and we're living in the kingdom of heaven. It's all roses here. You know, people easily get offended. Well, then why am I having so much trouble? You know, it's because you don't realize that you have to take authority in that kingdom. The words, Jesus said it like this. He said, the kingdom of God suffers violence mm -hmm. and the violent take it by force. Mm -hmm. And um, meaning... That the kingdom is in a struggle here. It's under a struggle. And for you to whip out your sword and say, In Jesus' name, Satan, I bind you and take authority over you. I cast you out of this house and you will no longer have any power there. That is violence to the kingdom of, of Satan. They're suffering violence when you do that. And we take things back. They can't put up a gate around anything and protect it because we can take it. The gates cannot prevail against us. We can take their territory. So in that sense, it is a violence. You know, and we don't we don't want to think about that. We want to think about nice little heaven and And then on the yeah, other hand Yeah, we and, and I've been there. And on the other hand we're taught we're taught taught about brokenness and humility. Mm -hmm. And when you're feeling broken and humble you're not really not feeling very authoritative. Right. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, that's exactly right. That's why it's kind of cool to put on that uniform. So it's <laughs> like, you know, if, if I stood in the middle of the turnpike and just said, stop, people would kill me. <laughs> but if I put on the uniform of a state trooper with that little hat, you know, they could see the profile miles away and you hear tires going, arr, 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 arr. And I have no power and authority in myself whatsoever. But stop in the name of the law. I can hold back traffic just like Moses part of the city. You know, because I've seen them do that. That's right. I am wearing the authority that somebody gave me. But you're right. When you're broken, 
it's hard to find that authority. It is yeah. hard to find that authority. But when you can see yourself in a uniform of somebody that does have authority, then it's a little easier to get up, you know. But it is hard when you're broken. I mean, it's hard. And when, and it's Paul tough. Used that, when he used that armor, he was he was putting a visual up there mm-hmm. of authority mm-hmm. in those days. I mean, they respected the Roman that. Soldiers. Yes. You know, Roman authority. Exactly they, right. They understood it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We kind of go, you know... <laughs> Yeah, but I see armor hanging, and it's it goes back to this. I only see armor hanging in museums. Why? Right. Yeah, <laughs> not hanging on you. It's a different the state right, trooper. Right. One yeah, that's really whew, you know. But it's like a heavily armed soldier. There you go. It was an interpretation from one of our translations. Right, yeah. and and that's we what it is. So we get him home and tucked yeah, in. Yeah, we got him in his chair. Oh, he just got weak, didn't he? Yeah. Because I can see he he drums. He and does. When he does that, you know, he's he he's about done. Yeah. yeah, I hear him do that. Yeah, on Sunday so, on Sunday nights he does that too. I mean, on Monday nights he does that when he's ready to go home. You can hear it, but it's that he's here at all is just glorious, you know. He, weak enough that uh, probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah, he out. shouldn't have come. Yeah. But at least he wanted to come. I mean, I like that. Fighting the good fight. That's it. He's fighting the good fight. You're exactly right. You are exactly right. So, oh, Lord, just take care of the two of them. Praise the Lord. Well, okay, we have been all over the world. We wait on you to get back. We've been treading water but having a good time. And um, so where's Bill? Is he coming? Did he get lost? No. Took a detour. I got gotcha. you. Took a detour. I was trying to figure out how to be real diplomatic. <laughs> we got it. I got to say this morning's terminology is yeah. crap. Yeah. Crap. Shock for Let Betsy. it all hang out, Bill. She said, we weren't allowed to say that word. <laughs> I said, was more like well, I wasn't either. I'd have had a bar of soap in my mouth in a hurry if I'd have said that. You probably can't still say it, right? I'm glad I didn't grow up in your <laughs> no, house. Whoa, I'm telling you. Well, we all ate a lot of soap. <laughs> you know, you just little parrots, you know. Oh, my gosh. But no, my parents didn't. But you just now got that? They were pretty strict with that. <laughs> But the neighborhood kids weren't, so you know it would just slip out. Stuff would slip out. So, oh yeah. Well, all right. Here we go. Back to thirteen, verse sixteen. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And he's not talking about their physical eyes and ears. He's talking about the eyes and ears of their spirit. Okay. For verily I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things that you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. So hear the parable of the sower. Okay. And I think it's in um, Luke. Hold on a minute. Let me just look real quick here. Mark. Luke 8. Hang on a minute. Um, um, mm-hmm. You're talking about the parable of the sower? Yeah, but um, I've forgotten which one it is. Maybe Mark it's four. 
Okay, try mark four then. Matthew mark four then. Try mark four. Okay. I should have done this it's earlier. Mark, it's, it's verse 13 that you're looking for, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, verse 13, he says, Know you not this parable? How then would you know all parables? Mm -hmm. Every parable after this one comes from understanding this parable. If you don't have an understanding of this one, you're not going to be able to unlock the others. This is the key. It's the first one. So now back to Matthew. Oh yeah, that's right up here at the top here. Mm-hmm. Also Luke eight verses four to ten. Kind of the same thing. There you go. Um. Okay. Verse eighteen. Hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not. Then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This which he received, uh, this is he which received the seed by the wayside. He that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that receives the word, hears the word, and anon with joy receives it, but he doesn't have root in himself, and he endures for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution because of the word, um, they are offended. Uh, I'm sorry, by and by, he is offended. He also that receives the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed into good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. All right. This whole parable is about soil. It's about the hearer and the condition of the heart of the hearer. It's not about the word, okay? The sower sows the word, and that's a general term. We assume that it's good seed being sown because Jesus is the one speaking here. And to me, it is good seed because he's lamenting the seed that's lost. So... But this parable works on soil, whether it's good seed or bad seed. And there's both in the world. So we're not focusing so much on the seed as we are right now, the types of soil, the people who receive it. So you have the cast of characters. You have the sower who is scattering the word everywhere. Then you have the hearers who are all types of ground, good and bad. Some plowed up, some not plowed up, some stony, some not. Um, some choked with weeds, some not. And then you have an evil one. You have one that comes to steal and destroy the seed that's planted. And we don't always want to include the evil guy in the kingdom. But there are bad actors in the kingdom of God. And the one thing these bad actors don't want is for good seed to come up unfettered. Not on a one-on-one -on -one level personally, not on a whole field of people in general, not ever. They don't want that seed to come up anywhere. Okay, so the hearers are at least interested. All of them are listening. They're at least interested, all right? 
So the ones that are on hard ground are the ones who, who are so hard-hearted that no seed sticks in the ground. Now that can be for a lot of reasons. Like Tina said, it could be because their hearts are hard because of arrogance and pride, self-sufficiency, whatever. It could also be because of indifference. You know, I mean, I, I think about what was the what was the news the other day? Some actress went out in the audience and snatched oh. a phone out of somebody's hand right in the middle of performance because the person was texting instead of enjoying the show. How do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, so yeah, they're hearing, but they're not hearing because they're doing something else. Their mind's somewhere else. None of that about the play is going to stick. And if you ask that person to name one song that was sung or one favorite line or whatever, they're not going to, they have no earthly idea. It just went in this ear and out that ear, right? Like Charlie Brown, the wah, 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 wah. <laughs> okay. It, and it doesn't mean just, you know, people who are just nasty and mean. It just means there's all kinds of conditions in people's minds. And you can even come with preconceived ideas. And you don't want to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, in church, we have every kind of soil. But you have people who are very comfortable. They're just comfortable. They don't want to learn anything new. They like what they've got. And you can say whatever you want to say. And they'll go, that's very nice. But they're not going to listen to you. Because they don't have uh, a need for it. They're not hungry and thirsting in the spirit. They're not grieving because of a loss of truth and because something's missing from their lives. They're not um, poor in spirit. They, they don't realize that they have a need for anything. And so this ground is like not even on the path. I mean, it's, it's a whole different place. So when the seed gets sown, the little bit of seed that hits that ground just falls on the wayside. It's not even... You know, it's not even in the purview. And so, nothing comes of it. It's real easy for Satan to just distract and keep you busy. And so, that seed is just snatched right out the minute it's sown. The next group of people um, are those who hear and take in the seed, but it's never watered. You know, never. it's not fertilized and it's not watered. They take it in and then life and trouble comes. Right? Any kind of trouble. And because they've never watered it, they've never given it any thought, they've never done anything. Yeah, they know it in the back of their mind. There's nothing to fall back on. And there's no root that ever takes place. Um, there's no deep work of grace. No change in the ground. And there's no deep conviction developed. Nothing there. So they get offended. Well, that word didn't work. You said it was going to, but it didn't work for me. Well, why? Because you didn't have it in you. You're, it wasn't fooling you. You weren't walking in the kingdom of heaven with authority. It was all intellectual. That's right. And then there's that group who take it in, but then the ground is already under the curse. It's full of the briars and thorns. So you have people that come in off the street to come into church, you know, get out of the cars and come in. They've been listening to the radio all the way in. They've been listening to every kind of thing on the radio you can think of. They've been watching TV. And you can't avoid it. You know, even if you're flipping channels, you're going to see stuff you wish you hadn't seen. And you'll go in a public place and there will be people telling filthy jokes or cursing and swearing. You can't get away from that seed. And, and it gets all in there. The seed gets sown in your ground. You know, and some of it comes up. Some of it comes up. Um, one of the worst is when you got friends sowing thorns and briars. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're you're not feeling well. 
and your friends go, oh my gosh, I had those symptoms too. You are about to get really sick. <laughs> What's coming on you is the worst flu ever. And this is not going to be covered under your shot. This is going to be bad. That's planting briars so that it chokes out the word of truth that you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Because it's so in your face, okay? So they're not necessarily people who, you know, are just so full of the word they can't hear, but they just take it in and and it starts to grow. But then the world bombards them so much until the word is just choked out. Okay? Um, and then there are those that hear and produce a crop. So this is really the spiritual law that's produced here. He who has ears to hear who can take that word in with understanding, he will get more because faith comes by hearing. And he who does not have ears to hear and take in with understanding, whatever they have will be lost to them because the seed's going to be snatched up, taken away from them. And that's a spiritual law. Whatever you take in and understand, that's what you're going to live by as truth. Whether it is or not, that's the truth that you're going to live by. So in the kingdom of heaven where you're walking around, whether you're in church or out on the street, you have every kind of soil. And you and I as sowers, we need to recognize that. So that if we're out there sowing, we need to know what kind of soil we're addressing. Um, we might need to do a little plowing and rock digging before you ever start sowing good seed. But if you don't recognize that there are all kinds of soil out there that you and I have the ability to plant in, um, we're not going to get much of a crop either. What you want to sow, you want to bring forth a good crop. Um, I would find that in the jail. It was just funny. You know, you'd see all these women sitting around the jail and you'd find that little woman poor in spirit, so hungry she was taking everything in, you know, feeding over the word. Then you have another one who's there with her Bible and acting very holy and taking it in, but she takes it in, filters it through her own understandings. So she goes out completely unchanged by it. But she's back the next week because she's jumping through the hoop. She's doing what, well, I'm going to church. That's what I'm supposed to do. You know, but it doesn't mean anything. It's not bringing forth a, a crop in her. So, you, you know, you see all kinds of soil and sometimes I just have to stop and dig out some rocks before I could you know go back to teaching. the right place something's going to click sometimes yeah you know and you, you'd have to plow up some soil a little bit sometimes to, to be able to get some seed in but you because you are a member of the kingdom of heaven you got to know that every kind of soil is out there okay there's also other seeds right that's right that's exactly right now I want you to go to Hebrews 3 this is going to be the bridge between the first parable and the second. Go to Hebrews 3. We're just going to read four words. I'm sorry, Hebrews 11. Go to Hebrews 11. Verse 3. Okay, just the first four words. Yep. Through faith, we understand. Okay, through faith, we understand. Now, faith does not require understanding. 
Believe it or not, faith oh. does not require understanding. If you understand, then it's not faith. There you go. <laughs> faith does not require understanding. It requires believing and doing whether you understand it or not. Um, it, you know, it's like, and so it's through faith that you come to understanding. So when I was a kid, I learned the multiplication tables and the addition facts and the subtraction facts. And I memorized them. It didn't mean a thing to me other than I memorized them. I mean, I could sort of see it. But you know, you have that aha moment where all of a sudden you're doing this thing by faith over and over because you know it works. And all of a sudden you go, oh, I, get I get it. Right, the <laughs> aha moment, you know. Um, but you were using it by faith long before you got the aha. If you don't have certain truths that you take by faith, then you're going to be lost when it comes to gaining understanding. That's been the issue with me with teaching for a long time. And I know you can identify with this, Jordine. We're expecting kids to understand without having certain information that's truth in their minds from which to understand. You know, if they don't know their number of facts, it's hard to get them to understand the processes beyond addition and subtraction. You know, getting to... When when you get to calculus, if you don't know your multiplication tables, you're in trouble. You know, because you need that information. You just need some facts that you can trust are always right. And then you can apply those facts that you have to something you don't know and gain understanding. But you always start. That's really what teaching's about is giving kids a foundation, giving them knowledge. You feed them knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Like design, you've got colors and textures and shapes. And that all just has to be memorized by faith. You know, this is the way you arrange these pictures on the wall. So they look good. You take it by faith. But then when they get out and begin to arrange the pictures on the wall, then they go... I see it now. I understand why that works. It's because of this and this. And there's balance and there's whatever. Um... But you have to teach them the parameters and then when they work within the parameters, understanding comes. We, we got this thing so backwards. Um, um, we're trying to tear a one plus one math problem apart and make it impossible when the kids have no faith, they have nothing to hang it on. So let me just give you a little brain study here, okay? This is humanity. Um... Just think of your brain now like a computer, and it is constantly bombarded all day long with information. Your desktop is just covered. Every time you open a window, there's something else in it. And then the little ads pop up, and everything keeps coming, and then the signs like, sorry, can't do any more long-running script, and you get all these things that just pop up all over your screen. So your desktop is so cluttered that sometimes you can't do one more thing. Your computer just goes, I've had it. I had it. Exactly right. Well, that's the way your brain is. And all day long we take in stuff. Now, when you go to sleep at night, you have like a vacuuming system, a, a cleaning crew that comes in. You know, when your mom says things look better in the morning, they do. Because your brain goes through a cleaning process. And anything that just hits your desktop and, and is there was no impression made... It's going to get vacuumed away. The only things that get put on a sticky note and organized are things that you heard more than once, 
things that are tied to emotion because there are chemicals in your brain that get released that act like the glue. So like if you hear bad news, you're going to remember that, not for today, but probably forever. And that's because um, adrenaline is released. And adrenaline glues itself to the back of that sticky note and almost just makes a permanent image instantly. <coughs> Then you have things that are wonderful. You hear good news about people. So then the endorphins are released and the serotonin and then that just puts a nice little sticky finish on and that little note sticks. And anything that your life depends on will stick. Okay? And then everything else is taken away. So like if you want to remember something, you have to hear it and you have to speak it. So if I say... Call me, my numbers, you know the 623 part, but 5324. Well, if you're going to remember that till you get home, what are you going to do? 5324, 5324, 5324. Right. You have to speak it and you have to hear it in order for it to get stuck on your brain, on your desktop, to retain it long enough to act on it. If you dial the number long enough, it'll move into a long-term file because you've acted on it, okay? Now, that's the way your brain works. So the moment information comes um, and you hear it, your brain then determines, is this going to be like something serious or is it not? Okay? And if you hear it long enough, your brain goes, well, that must be important to them because it keeps getting squirted juice all over it and it's, it's important. And so eventually your brain does this. It opens a file and labels the file on that subject and paints an image or a picture and files it in your imagination, in your long-term memory. And it becomes fact. It is locked in as fact. doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's just it's locked in as fact because that's what you know to be true. That's what you image and that's what you act on. Okay? Um, and those files are set up by subject. Now, when you come to something new, like the sower sows the word, all right? Here's the soil. You're, you immediately, in order to take in any information, if you intend to keep it, you got to have a file in the background that you open up because your brain takes in new information by hooking it to old understanding. So what is old understanding is faith. By faith, you believe what you clearly see in your mind. Whether it's true or not, that's faith. Through faith comes understanding. So what you believe to be true becomes a prison, prism that you filter all new information through. So if you're trying to sow seed into a, a person's life whose prism is entirely different, you're not going to get very far. There's a lot of stony ground there. They might be listening, but you're going to have to figure out how to get the stones out of the way in order to get the ground plowed. Or it might be so hard, nothing's going to go in there. But you have to understand that they're not rejecting you. They're just acting on what they believe to be true, whatever it is. The beauty about being born again is that the light comes in and the light actually does recreate everything. You know, it changes your perceptions of everything. It loosens up information in there that's not fact so that, so that it'll fly out of there the minute you open the file. Old understandings will be gone and new ones can come. 
But if you're in the Word and you get good seed and you put it in that file, every time you open that good seed file and somebody else sows seed, now you have discernment. You can say that lines up with the Word of God or that doesn't and close the file. You know, but if you don't have the faith to begin with that this is truth, then whatever comes in is going to come in. You know, and your discernment is going to be off. So to under to overcome or change preconceived understandings is just a monumental task. And we need that patience. We need to understand that we need people who are desperate. Um, Satan's favorite tactic is to cast doubt. You know, like he said did to he Eve. Really say? <laughs> yeah, did he really mean you were going to die? No, he just meant you were going to you know, look like that. What do you mean? This word is interpreted. You know, anybody can offer an interpretation. Many people have different interpretations of Scripture. So you can interpret this any way you want. You know, that's what the devil does. What you and I need to do is use that same tactic to say to people, would you bet your life on what you believe to be true? Because I would bet my life on what I believe to be true. Do you really think this? Because if you do then this is going to be the natural follow-up of that. But if you, if you want to look at what I've got to tell you, there's a better way to go. So now what are you doing? You're plowing up ground. You're not shouting words at people that, that have no way of hearing You're you. You're making them think. That's right. But if you don't understand that there are all kinds of ground and that you, as a farmer, have to be able to work that ground and plow it up and do what's needed to get them to hear you, you know, you're going you're gonna, to uh, sow a lot of seed that's going to get hard ground. You know, and, and the people need to hear it. And uh, like, like Jesus said, they're all hungry out there. They're all listening. They all came out. But look at what happened with, um, well, no, I'm not even going to go there yet. We'll do it in the next parable. <laughs> um, so the, the brain believes and envisions um, truth for itself. And that truth, whatever you image is truth, that's your faith. That's where your faith is. Faith is the substance of things confidently expected. So that image in your brain becomes the substance of what you expect to happen. Okay, It's the evidence, what you see in your brain is the evidence of what you don't see. So if in your brain you, you trust in the flesh, you know, but you hear a little bit of the word and then something bad happens and you try to use it without having faith in it and nothing happens, you go right back to your default. You're offended. That word is a bunch of junk. This is what's true. I'm going to have to do it myself. I'm the only one I can depend on. I need to depend on the flesh and I'm chunking that God stuff. And people behave according to what they believe to be true. It's not, you know, I mean, you know, we want to take offense. I want to get so mad when I see the gay flag strewn everywhere and I want to get so angry. But what we have to do is pray, plow up the soil. We have to, you know, we have to help them. We have to help them. And um, it's not easy. Um, Bill Johnson, if you ever get a chance to read his books, oh my gosh, they're wonderful. Um, he has a church in Redding, California. And he's awesome. He's very deep. Um, this one is When Heaven Invades Earth. I think I've read these about 15 times, but they're good. Um, but, yeah, Bill Johnson. And the other one is um, 
what is it, Spirit, mm, I can't remember it now. I can't remember the name of it, but it has to do with your mind. You know, it has to do with transforming uh, spirit, transforming your mind. It has to do with that. Um, but this is what he says. Faith is the mirror of the heart, the center of understanding. And it reflects realities of an unseen world, the actual substance of his kingdom. Um, Let me just kind of get over here because I want to read this. Through faith, a man is able to come into agreement with the mind of God. And this I love. When you submit the things of God to the mind of man, that's what a sower does. We submit the things of God to the mind of man. Then the result of that is unbelief and religion. But when you submit the mind of man to the things of God, then you end up with faith and a renewed mind. So what we have to do is turn the table. We've been just throwing the seed out intermittently, but we have been entrusting the things of God to the mind of man. So you're either going to end up with a super religious person or an unbeliever. One of the two. But if you submit this person's mind to the things of God. If you get them to the place where they're hungering and thirsting and they are humble before God, starving for righteousness, starving for the truth, and you submit that mind to the things of God, then you're going to come up with faith. So when you're dealing with people, you know, you need to understand that. I know you've come to see that when just with your ministry online. You well, know. I was also thinking, I think I told you maybe a couple months ago about my friend, uh, my elderly friend that grew up in a Baptist church and, and she said she tried salvation and it didn't work for her. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I had to, you cannot talk to her. You no. cannot put the seed out there. She, but when you were sharing about grace a couple of months ago and I went down there and I just decided to just let the Holy Spirit, I was just going to stand there and be a conduit. I said, yeah. I can't, there's no sense yeah. in my saying anything to her. Mm. So I was not submitting her mind. Yeah. Yeah, submitting I, God's things to her mind. Right. right. But when I stopped trying to submit God's things to her mind and I just sat back and, and handed her to God and said, Holy Spirit, you do it. And I think I told you this one night about, you know, she stopped me in the hall of her house and we talked for 20 minutes because she, how do you do it? Where, what is your, fa and she, I still could not answer her, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm still not at the point that I can say anything. Right. <clears throat> the minute I, she's questioning, she's pulling. Mm -hmm. The minute I start to try to explain. Yeah. No. She needs to have it all come in and absorb it right. herself, and she doesn't want. She's got that. You know, Do you have any articles mm -hmm. or anything that you find that you could find would be? Because I have an article from a magazine that actually I was going to print it up and share it with everybody. Yeah. But that would, you know, it's something different. It's a different point of view. Yeah. So I think it's something I, you might I find know, interesting. But anyway, that's what I see. That's that right. I'm doing. Now, I've stopped right. trying to submit the things right. that God to her, and I'm submitting right. her. There you God. go. And that's kind of what I had to start doing when I was teaching my Bible study at the jail. Because when I went in originally, I was submitting the things of God to worldly minds. Yes. 
You know, and they either jumped into this religious thing where I'm just coming every Sunday because that's what I'm supposed to do and that's what the law is and there's no change in them whatsoever. Or they just went into unbelief. That's just bunk, you know. But when I would wait, you know, and, and submit their minds to the things of God, then God could turn that into faith. But, you know, that's part of this walking in the kingdom of God. We have to begin to see the actors, you know, and how they are. Um, you trust the Holy Spirit because he, he's going to deal with a lot of that for you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if we go out there uh, uneducated and unaware of what we're doing, we can cause more offense and more mess than we can help. And we do have done that, been there, done that. And um, so, you know, we need that tenderness of God that, that Jesus had. You know, he didn't turn anybody away. He didn't reject anybody. But he didn't, he didn't cast his pearls before swine. Right. You know, he waited until they came to him hungry. Mm -hmm. And then he submitted their minds to the things of God. And um, man, were they changed, you know. Man, were they changed. So this is, this is a little bit more of Bill Johnson, and then we're going to quit here. When we learn to receive from our spirit, we learn how to be spirit-led. Faith is a foundation for all true intellectualism. Isn't that powerful? Mm -hmm. Faith is the foundation of all true intellectualism. When we learn to learn that way, through our faith. In other words, opening up that folder that we believe to be true and connecting everything else to it. That's where we get our intellectual understanding. So when we learn to learn that way, we open ourselves up to grow in true faith because faith does not require understanding to function. Okay? Um, when we learn to receive from our spirit, our mind becomes the student and therefore subject to the Holy Spirit. Through the process of revelation and experience, our minds eventually obtain understanding. But you have to believe that there's a Holy Spirit. You have to believe that God is who He is. You have to believe that, you know, that this Word is sacred and that there's power in it before you can ever take it all in and understand it. Otherwise, you're going to throw up the roadblocks. You're still going to, you know, you're going to build up the strongholds. You're going to have the stony ground. Um... Wrestling with God seems to come to mind. Yeah, it does. That's exactly what it is. Um, and I, you know, I thought that hardened ground, if I was going to pick a character in the Bible that was hardened ground, I would put the Pharisees at the top of that list. And I would put the Romans at the top of that list. Because they have their own belief system too. Totally hard ground. No matter what Jesus sowed, it wasn't going in. The seed was just scattered on hard ground and that went away. The stony ground, you know, I was trying to think of, okay, who in the Bible would fit that? I think it was Jesus' hometown. You know, they've been taught the law, so they had hardness. You know, and they're not going to change too easily. It's like coming into one of these little bitty churches and starting to teach a faith message. You know, they want to throw you out because you're like going to hell. You know, and they sure don't want to hear full gospel. You know, so they, they had their preset understandings. But they were slightly open because they knew Jesus. He'd grown up there. He knew Mary and Joseph. 
And they knew the scripture, Isaiah 61. Oh, there's a familiar passage. I know this one. So they whip open their Isaiah 61 file folder. Okay. And their picture of Messiah is the one that's going to crush the Romans, you know, and, and uh, set up a kingdom. So Jesus sowed the word and they gladly listened to the word. But then, you know, the heat came. Wait just a minute. You know what? That's Mary Joseph's boy. I saw him grow up. He's just a carpenter. He doesn't know what he's doing. What are we thinking listening to this? And before you know it, there was no root that ever happened with those seeds. They took it in for a minute. But they, you know, and at that point, there was no faith. Zero faith. And guess what? Nobody could get healed. The presence to heal was there. The power to heal was there. Nobody got it. Nobody got it. And so I think they're like the stony ground. Okay. Now the thorny ground is going to be um, like, um, do you know who the best example of thorny ground is to me? Judas. Judas spent three years with Jesus. But at the same time he's hanging out with Jesus, he is filling himself up with what he thinks Jesus is going to do. He's going to be the big Messiah. He's going to be the king. He's running around hanging out with these guys thinking that's what's going to happen. And he's going to, you know, that's it. He had his agenda. And he was a thief. So that seed didn't go in very far. Some of it did. Because in the end it convicted him and he ended up killing himself. He couldn't deal with the truth that, that he got. But there were so many briars and so many thorns in there with the truth. The truth was choked out. He could not see it when Jesus said, and he was sitting right there at the table, when Jesus said, I'm going home now, I'm not going to be here. You know, and um, he said it to him a lot of times before, you know, now the last supper he'd already sent him out before he got serious with the disciples. But he, in, in several passages you see where he said, I'm not going to be here very long. And Peter says, no, that can't happen. They're not going to take you away. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Remember that? Yeah. Those conversations happened all along. But Judas had so much weed that he could not hear it. So um, I don't think that he was totally evil. I think he was just so full of the world that he couldn't be transformed, you know. And uh, when the heat went up, he couldn't take it. He killed himself, you know. He, he couldn't handle it. Um, and the final hearers were people like uh, the little woman at the well and Nicodemus who had a belief set and a mindset, but they were so open and so hungry for truth that they were willing to pitch out everything they ever knew and start over again. And they started with a belief that Jesus had come from God. The first words out of Nicodemus's mouth is, we know you came from God because of the miracles you did. And that was his faith. That was the faith that he built his understanding on from that time on. The same with this little woman. She says, he says to her, I know you, you know, you've had five husbands and this man's not your husband. And she said, you're a prophet. You're a prophet from God. And she, on that faith, she threw out everything she'd ever known and allowed Jesus to begin to plant that soil. So that to me is the good soil. You know, when they're just hungry and ready and desperate to hear that word. Um, so now the, the wheat and the tares is also about sowing and reaping, but now we're going to look at it from a different angle. So this was about the soil. This is about the hearers. But next time it's, it's going to be about the sowers and what's going on in the kingdom of God there. 
So, all right, we're going to stop there. Do you know it's almost halfway through July? See, my realize that besides me? I am just yes. sucking in big wind here. What? Oh, my gosh, summer's half over. The year's half over. The year's half over. You're exactly right. We're in the second quarter. Yeah, the second quarter of the office. Oh, my gosh, it's half a year. Yeah. I just think the older you get, it goes fast. It does. Yeah, I, I, what is that? Babies, yeah. babies, time creeps, and teenagers, it is a jog, and... No, what is it? Time flies with the babies, and then with teenagers, it's a jog. And by the time, or no, it creeps with babies. That's yeah, it. That's right. With little kids, like waiting for Christmas Every and day stuff. Lasts with teenagers, it's a jog, and with old people, it's like a jet flying <laughs> along. I'm going, yes, it is. And yet, it's the same time. You know, it's just weird, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, let me um, pray for you here. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that you have for us hidden in this. The treasures that are buried here, Lord. We, we're so excited to learn anything that you have. And Father, I do ask that if there's good seed sown, that it would take root in us, Lord. That we would be able to add this and build understanding on the faith that we have that your word is the inerrant word, Lord. Um, but if there's any bad seed sown here, I curse it at its roots right now and I command it to wither and die that we would not remember it or even take it in in any way. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for the crop that you're bringing forth in our lives, for the transformation that takes place in us every day. And I just ask that you use us to bless people this week and we, we just give you the thanks for the privilege, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, have a fa- Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.